Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Office Hours. We're one mic down. That means we have my mic, my mic, and Mike Diamond. But we're blessed to have our guest today. Duncan Clark is in the house from London, England. He is Canva Europe lead and co-founder and CEO of Flourish. Welcome to Office Hours, Duncan. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I should. I am from London, but I'm actually dining from Sydney. So, um a more reasonable time of day for it. Oh, wow. <laughs> Even better. How's tomorrow, by the way? I don't think he got it. You're, you're a day ahead of us, Jack. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Um, well, I thought you were talking to the so person just joining. We, 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 <laughs> we, we, <laughs> Welcome, Michael Unbroken, by the way, just in time. Thank you. Thanks for, for letting me in. <laughs> yeah, that's with Luca's choice. So is he let you in? I think we, they're making we, a movie. We voted. About that. We voted. It was one to one vote. Uh, I'm not going to tell you who voted which way, right, Mike Diamond? Fair, fair. Don't even start that. <laughs> <laughs> I love this guy. <laughs> well, anyway, uh, we all use Canva, um, and it's an amazing tool. Uh, there's so many different things. What I like most, Duncan, about Canva is that for how easy it is to use, it looks like such high quality production, you know, like, like nothing else that I've used. Like in that space, the tools always look for what you pay for and who you've used. There's an ability of Canva. What do you think it is in the Flourish Studio that gives such high quality production in such a simple way or simple use? Because I think that's the distinction in the marketplace that I see with Canva. So, yeah, Canva's kind of core offering has always been around, like, on the one hand, making things very easy. and On the other hand, bringing everything together into one tool. And I think that kind of professional output is a lot about having really good templating and examples based off that kind of core offering of, of a consolidated tool that makes everything very easy. So that's kind of Canva's offering to the world, which has always been very much around visual communication and design. And obviously over time that's grown into presentations and videos and all different types of visual output. And then over on Flourish, what we've been doing is the same kind of journey, but with data. So we've been taking a, a part of the, of the software world that's very fragmented and it's very technical and it's very hard. And we've been trying to bring that together in an easier to use tool that's focused more on storytelling and visual communication. Um, and so really it was a very natural match for Canva. Duncan, with your background in journalism, does the story, does that help you with the storytelling? Is that kind of why you kind of like that pivot? Yeah. So the background in journalism was very related to, um, how Flourish came to be. I mean, we, we looked at that world and we thought there are, there, there are two schools of data visualization. There's the stuff going on in newsrooms, like, and I used to be at The Guardian, and you know, if you think of The Guardian, The New York Times, The FT, The Economist, they do this kind of beautiful storytelling with data, and they have the eyeballs, right? That's where a lot of the innovative, animated, interactive data visualization was developed. And then you've got the software space, and if you go back 10 years, that was entirely dominated by things like Tableau, Power BI, these kind of really visual analysis tools. And there's almost no relationship between these two things. Like one is for taking a big database and working out what's going on. The other one is for explaining a story, telling a story 
that has a sort of strong data component. And they both use charts and maps and visualizations, but what they're seeking to do is very different. One is about exploration, one is about explanation. And so coming out of that journalism background, we were very much interested in the idea of what does it mean to take data storytelling and make that into a tool? Um, because this other, this other school of visualization was heavily commoditized, heavily tooled already. already. But what we wanted to do was, was make it possible for a large number of people to start actually telling compelling visual stories with data. Duncan, why is that so important? You know, one of the things that I've been thinking about a lot is the way that we've transitioned a lot of the content we put out on in my business. And a lot of it is in storytelling. And I think whenever we put out these pieces, like 61% of people, this, or look at this flow chart or that it tends to hit a little harder. What is the rationale and the reasoning behind that? So, I mean, humans are really just visual animals and all the research shows that if you make something visual, humans just connect to it so much better. Our visual memories are extraordinary. And if you look at our sort of text and number memories, they're really, really pathetic. Like it's hard to remember more than about 10 numbers if someone just reads them out. Um, whereas you can remember about a thousand images that someone shows you consecutively and then you'll be able to look back at those and see which ones you've seen before. So we're just like our visual brains are just kind of incredibly powerful. They're incredibly retentive and they're very, very um, hardwired to analyze quickly and to to make decisions off the off the back of. You know, we we survived in the early days of humanity by being able to see what was going on, responding to movement and those kind of things. So if you can take a piece of content and you can make it more visual, more interactive um, and you know, move it from text to a chart, say, then you're just gonna have a higher level of trust and a higher level of engagement. And the marriage between visualization and data uh, is exceptionally important today. It reminds me of the relationship of Bill Gates and Paul Allen. Uh, they're two different capabilities that, you know, from early on uh, as they were high school buddies at Lakeside in Seattle, you know, they had different capabilities that were so complementary, but caused obviously friction throughout their personal relationship that one had a vision and the other was data driven. And uh, together, though, exponentially creates so much more value. You've always seen things as a data driven person. It seems like, you know, whether you're working at The Guardian or your book, which you know Al Gore has just bragged about and made it a must-read. Uh, the burning question uh, by looking at the data-driven approach of how we can uh, in what is happening in climate change. You seem to have both capabilities. It, it, number one, do you see yourself that way, or if not, which one do you see you leaning more towards—the vision side of it or the data side of it? That's a good question. I mean, when we did um, a kind of values workshop on on Flourish in the early days, just after we launched it, um, we came up with the core values being truth and magic. And I guess that's how I've always sort of thought about the world, really. That the, the, the reason I'm interested in data is I'm interested in getting to the truth about things. And, you know, not that if you see a spreadsheet or a, or a group of numbers that you can be sure that they are representative or anything like that, but it's just as close as you're going to get to the raw facts about any given topic. So that that sort of journalistic desire to get to the bottom of things has always been why I've been interested in data. But then why 
even try and work out what's going on unless you're going to try and explain that to other people. So it comes again back to that thing of explore versus explain. And um, so I guess I've always seen myself as someone who's interested in communicating things that are interesting. Um, but for me personally, the things that are interesting are often data driven. I love it. I put you in the Hall of Fame of ferocious Buddhas, the oxymorons of the world. It's a perfect combination and reconciliation of value. If you haven't checked out Canva, just go to canva.com. It's everywhere. But flourish.studio is where we can learn more about that great reconciliation of the visualization and data uh, in making things easy to not only use, but to understand. Duncan Clark, come back and visit us. Uh, keep us aware of what's happening tomorrow down under. Mike is from there. So I'm sure your relationship will grow and flourish, no pun intended. But please, we have many other shows and we'd love to learn more. Two great products make even a better one for us. Duncan Clark, thank you so much for joining us on Office Hours. Thanks a lot. See ya. Thanks, Great man. interview. Thanks, Duncan. Enjoy your next day. Welcome, Michael Unbroken. What's up? Happy what? Wednesday, gentlemen. More good news Wednesday. It's more good. No more hump day. Stop pumping around. It's more good news. More good news Wednesday. Nothing to go over, go around, go through. It's just more good news for me and more good news for you. Next on the mic is not my two men, Mike, but it's Joe. Simple Joe. Uh, go <laughs> Joe Landolina, welcome to Office Hours. Joe, I, whenever I see the name Joe, I think of what a bullshitter I am when it comes to signing books. Because, like, I have a great memory, but I can't remember all the people that I know. And so my favorite one is, like, I, I know this guy for over a decade. And he comes up, he's like, Dave, it's great to see you. I haven't seen you in a long time. Can you sign my book? And, and I'm like, yeah. Uh, how do I spell your name? He's like, J-O-E. I'm like, oh, not Joseph. Uh... <laughs> there you go. I, I love that. And, and David, thank you for having me always revealed on Office Hours. Now, uh, Joe, you're, you're uh, still in Brooklyn, I hope. So, actually, I'm in Vegas today supporting our animal health product, but we're, we're still based in Brooklyn. Based in Brooklyn, out in Vegas. Everybody seems to be in Vegas uh, with Mike, Mike, go buy him dinner. Uh, Mike's in Vegas, so he, he knows all the restaurants. He's extremely rich, and he loves to buy people food. Uh, just so I don't. <laughs> but uh, uh, Joe, thanks for joining us on Office Hours. He's CEO and co-founder of Cressalon, and I hope I said that correctly. That's perfect. Two for two, perfect. Uh, and they have a revolutionary uh, technology now uh, that. Uh, you know, is truly changing um, the way that we do things. And it has, I think you guys have FDA clearance now. Is that correct? That's correct. Good. Well, let's talk a little bit about Cressalon and how it's impacting uh, as a sustainable uh, technology, how it can instantly stop bleeding. And that seems to be a very valuable thing these days. <laughs> what, what have you guys discovered? Definitely. So I'm an engineer by training. I started Cressalon when I was 17 years old. I was an undergrad in engineering school. And over the last 14 years, we've taken the technology from an idea in a dorm room between my, my co-founder and myself uh, to what's now the only aseptic manufacturing, so the only sterile manufacturing in the five boroughs of New York City. Uh, we make all of our products uh, 
there in Brooklyn. Uh, and we have a, a few product lines between commercial products uh, and, and products that are in development. And so we, we make a gel that comes from algae. It's two polymers, effectively long chains of sugar that instantly stop bleeding. So whether we're talking about a gunshot wound, whether we're talking about brain surgery, uh, soft tissue surgery like liver or, or cancer surgeries, uh, or just a nick and a scrape, uh, you put this on and nearly on contact, it rebuilds and it creates a barrier against bleeding. Uh, so it takes something that would have taken seven minutes uh, at best and, and turns it into five seconds or so. It's just phenomenal. Right? Wow. It's just, wow. So Joe, um, you said you said you were 17, correct? When you, you started the project? Correct. Yeah. So obviously getting to where you are now, that's a hell of a journey. Um, a lot of people don't understand how long, first of all, congratulations, FDA approved, stopping bleeding, you, you, you're saving lives, you're really making a, a difference. Can you just go through, like you, st- you have this idea, you're an engineer, and then the journey that people don't understand of what you've had to do to get FDA approved, which is nearly impossible. It's nearly, people think it's like, oh, you get FDA approved. It's so hard. You talk a bit about that journey because that's just, that's just so, so much resilience and patience and it's just brilliant. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you so much. And, and, and it's definitely been, uh, it's been a journey. And, and so we, it took us 10 years from, from the invention of the, of the product until the first sale. And our, our first commercial product is Vetagel, which is if anyone has, has pets, it's very likely that if you bring that pet into surgery, our product is used to stop bleeding in that surgery. Uh, we've saved the lives of over 50,000 pets around the world um, in, in over 30 countries now. And so that's been uh, really amazing seeing what that product does. Uh, but the biggest challenge wasn't actually making the product. Uh, it wasn't getting it to a point where we could have it tested. Uh, it was building the manufacturing. It turns out that having something that's novel, it was so complicated just to build it uh, that we ended up having to do it ourselves. We, we couldn't outsource the, the testing process. Uh, and so we ended up having to, first we found an old 1930 schoolhouse in, uh, in Brooklyn uh, that we found on Craigslist and, and that became our, our pilot manufacturing plant. And very quickly we realized that if we wanted to do something at scale, we had to do it quote unquote the right way. And so we uh, got a good number of investors involved and, and we uh, built out a 25,000 square foot state of the art manufacturing. And it's not just custom to make the product. We had to build every single piece of equipment uh, that was in that facility to be able to handle a product like ours. So I always joke that our product looks like hummus um, and it has to be made like a vaccine. And there, there are lots of, Vaccine manufacturers, there are lots of hummus manufacturers, uh, but nobody done enough to try to do them both at the same time. <laughs> and that's where we came in. Uh, and so we had to pr- pretty much reinvent the wheel. Wow. that That's amazing, Joe. What, what is the future Im- implication of this kind of product? Because to me, I hear this and I go, every cop needs to have this. Every paramedic needs to have this. Every school needs to school have teacher, like, yeah. like Yeah. Like, what's the game plan here? Perfect. Uh, I mean, so, so that, that's exactly where we're going next. Um, and, and that's something that I'm most excited about uh, because in animal health, it gave us the opportunity to see the product used across a wide range of indications. I mean, unfortunately, we're, we're in Brooklyn, or not, not unfortunately, I, I love Brooklyn, uh, but uh, we've seen our product Vetagel used on multiple dogs with gunshot wounds just around the corner from, from our own offices. And, and so we, we know that it works on, on really big bleeds and we know that it works on everything else. And, and so uh, we're we're designing a product called Trauma Gel, uh, which is effectively the exact same gel as Vetter Gel, but just uh, six times the size to, to be able to handle much larger bleeds. Uh, and we're hoping to bring that to, to market in the, the near future. Uh, we just received 
clearance by the FDA for use in external bleeds, so something like plastic surgery um, and, and things like that. Uh, and then eventually, the idea is that every single time that you go into surgery and there's a bleed, there's a product like ours uh, that's able to be there to, to stop that bleeding. And what it is, the benefit is not just stopping the bleed quickly. It's being able to get that patient up and off the table faster. And, and so hopefully what that does is that reduces negative outcomes and that allows you to spend less time in the OR, uh, which improves outcomes as well. Yeah. and it, it Dave, improves- Dave, real quick. I just have one quick follow-up. Um, he should be taking me out to dinner because this dude's about to be super rich. Wendy <laughs> <laughs> may already be rich just off of the veterinarian. Uh, that's an absolute, uh, there's no doubt. I mean, look, when you can impress uh, President Barack Obama uh, with the first ever White House Demo Day and uh, worldwide finalists with Richard Branson and his tech challenge, which I've been a part of, uh, you're, you're talking about high, high level uh, guest that we have here and he's only 30 years old so imagine what he's going to do i i have a question though uh, as we finish up i'm just curious how much money have you had to raise uh throughout the 10 years to get to the point you're at right now so, so to date we, we've raised just over 100 million dollars uh, which for biotech is actually fairly capital efficient and, sure. and that, that may sound like a huge sum but when you're building manufacturing facilities and you're building your own sales forces globally it, it, uh, and, and you're spending that over the course of 14 years, it, uh, uh, it, it goes very quickly. Well, I'll be happy. Dave. I'll be happy to be an advisor for equity. There's no, I have no cash involved. Uh, whatever you need me to do, I'd be happy to do it. It might do. Dave, <laughs> can I ask him one quick question? Can yeah, I, you got plenty of dollars. One dollars. second. This is the question I have to ask you. You you go through this period that you have to build everything yourself because you got so many rejections. At any time, do you think it's it's too much? I'm not going to do it. So it's probably a clinical issue uh, with, with myself. But we've uh, I, when you when you see the technology work, and I was very lucky that that early on in our journey, we were actually able to see it stop its first bleed. And once you saw that, or once I saw that, uh, there was there was no turning back. That's so cool. Sorry, it's so you, amazing. I have another question. Are you going to be in New York uh, next week? Come to my. Um, I'm having a, a VIP dinner uh, in New York on Tuesday, uh, in the city. Uh, make sure Luca he gets an invitation. We have Claude Silver from Vayner. We have a variety of you know big, big uh, family offices and others that need to hear your story. And we'll do a little maybe fireside chat or panel discussion because I think the world needs and you need some New York support uh, behind this as well. So Joe, please uh, come see me on Tuesday night for dinner around six o'clock in the city. Perfect. Dave. Thank you for the invite. And I'll, I'll be there. Awesome. Oh, we'll see you there. All right. Well, Luke, we'll have you there. We will do more with Joe and maybe I can convince him to be an advisor uh, with the company after he meets all my rich friends. Uh, and uh, we'll pull in some equity for the two mics as well. What do you think, guys? We can make a billion out of this? This is like... It's incredible. I know. I would have liked to be his roommate at NYU, but uh, I think they rejected (laughs) me too. But anyway, we'll see you next week on Tuesday. Thanks for joining us. Of course. Thanks so much, guys. I'll bring you a book and remember your name. So I will sign the book, J-O-E. Thank you very much. Joseph works too. Incredible, man. That blows, blows me away. I'm so glad you showed up, Michael. I'm broken. You would have missed that.
It's waiting in the rain. Luca has a beef with me right now. I don't know what's going on, man. I don't know what she has. <laughs> her hair, but her hair looks terrific. Like, th- look at the hair on this. She thing. comes on. This is so good. <laughs> <laughs> She's the like Vanna the White of Office person. Hours. She's the nicest person. You know, I have Colleen, Gigi, Reluca, and Marissa, my daughter. And it's like, I, I don't know which one's the nicest. They're like, I'm like, why are you working with me? Because you're so nice. It, it must be... Uh, Tony DeVestro is uh, calling me like, hold on, we'll put that on. All right, we got our next guest here. I'm so excited Joe's going to come see me in New York. Uh, Victorio is here. There we go. Uh, you got you have a tough act to follow, Victorio Pelic- Oop, Pelicano. Uh, and are you still in Homer, Illinois, by chance? I am. I am. Yes, sir. All right, you're going to have to come join us in, in Chicago then. Uh, we'll have a, a Monday with uh, Clinton Sparks. I think... Chris Gardner may or may not show up, but a lot of cool people. He is the founder and CEO of, I'm going to say this right, Aviana. And Sarah, if I have two startups. Oh, sweet. Two is better than one. You have twice the chance to be as successful as Joe. Um, maybe. <laughs> I'm still blown away. Uh, we can stop bleeding, but... Uh, my friend, the founder and CEO of Aviana, and what's the second company? Seraph. Sarah. Uh, and is Sarah an AI software company as well? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. They uh, they both are in the space. Yeah. Yeah. So we're moving from stopping bleeding uh, to the hottest topic and subject matter of utilizing AI as a servant, and uh, especially in understanding uh, how we can enable fully autonomous natural language communication between humans and robots. Uh, and th- if, if you've studied the history of innovation, this idea of integrating human with robot, not separate from, it, it is this exact point of communication that is the purpose of AI and robotics and technology. Uh, not quite as far as Elon Musk is taking it, uh, with Neuralink, uh, but working in symbiosis. How difficult is it when I look at back at IVRs and just communication in general of artificial communication, it's been one of the long, from Dragon Dictate when I was in their uh, late 80s, early 90s, they, they didn't make much progress. And all of a sudden it seems like probably because of AI, we're now able to make this extraordinary uh, progress in natural language communication. Well, LLMs changed everything, right? I, I mean, when ChatGPT kind of showed itself to the world, GPT-4 last year, I think it blew all of our minds. If you guys are anything like me, I had a bit of an existential crisis after I got my hands on that thing. And I was like, am I just a chatbot? You know, is that, <laughs> is that what I am? And my wife had to tell me, like, you need to stay off the computer uh, for a few days. I Truthfully, I was working at Oracle. I sold my last business to Oracle that I bootstrapped for a decade. Uh, two years ago, we sold to, to Oracle um, right before the Ukraine war. And, uh, and I had some extra time on my hands around then. And I was looking at the space, deciding what to invest in, what to get myself involved in next. And boy, I saw ChatGPT and immediately I was like, I there's times I think in your life where you just know everything's going to be different. You know, you can feel those pivot points if you're, if you're paying attention. And I looked at that thing and I was like, the, the way the world moves is going to be forever different after this. And I I had to get back in the game. 
And that's why I started Aviana to control robots by natural language. And at Aviana, we had to solve an interesting problem, which was ChatGPT works because it's been trained on the Internet's corpus of data, right? Twitter and Reddit, whatever. Uh, but dealing with robotic data, you want to talk to a robot. Where did you fly today? What do your sensors show? Stuff like that. You have to solve a really hard problem that even OpenAI and these big companies haven't solved, which is how to deal with data that hasn't been trained on that's streaming live to the robot. Um, and then once we figured that out, which was non-trivial, right, as we say in the industry, I was like, boy, every business, and I've been an enterprise software, that's what I sold to Oracle, was an enterprise software company. I've been doing this a long time. The idea to be able to ask a question about your enterprise data. So for you guys, what meetings do I have coming up tomorrow? Do I have any emails that went back and forth with Vic? Hey, can you pull up his dossier or whatever you guys are working on? That stuff happens all day, sifting through data, summarizing data, analyzing data. And we built this for Aviana for the robotics. And I was like, but boy, we need to segment that out because every business needs to use this. And uh, and so that's why it makes sense for them to be two, two different companies and two different brands. But the same underlying technology is shared. So something that, as you say, you want to make uh, robots not stupid or smarter. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I think they're really yeah. dumb. <laughs> right. That's what you said, correct? Yeah. So explain that to me. When you say robots are dumb, like like. People are like, what? what? Like, so what, what do you mean by that? I mean, you ever seen a Roomba wander around your room and bang into everything except the one spot that you turned it on to clean? Um, you know, or God forbid it got some, uh, uh, your dog had an accident on the carpet and it finds it and it just ruin your whole week. Oh, um, they're stupid. And that's the biggest robotics company on earth, by the way, that made that thing. You know, and, and I think for the robotics space to grow, there has to be a democratized way for people to be able to make robots, but make them smart, right? So if you have a great application for a robot, um, there's got to be a way for you not to create uh, an internal open AI team at every single company. Not everybody has Elon's money. Not everybody has, uh, you know, hundreds or of Or his balls, by the way. What's that? Or his balls. <laughs> That's true. Um <laughs> Jesus, that man is incredible. <laughs> I, well, I bootstrapped my last firm and I'm bootstrapping these. And I, I, I think there's a big world of people who have great ideas about how to solve problems for people and maybe not the capital. And that's why I wanted Aviana to start, because I think democratizing tools like robotics and their smarts is going to be important to create, you know, the kind of market we all want where there's competition and it's not just verticalized to a few companies that own all the robots. I mean, that's how that's how the document <laughs> that's how Terminator got started. I think there was just one company. If there was a good Skynet and a bad Skynet, it would have been a better movie. That, right. that actually leads into my next question. <laughs> no, it's no, I'm not like, like what are, what are the implications as these robots get smarter? Like, is there, I'm actually being dead serious about this. Like, is there a potential for that Skynet moment to actually transpire when AI becomes sentient? Like effectively, I mean, we're already behind the curve according to that movie, but we're not that far away. Like, is that nonsensical? No, it's a great it's a great question. You then you end up with questions like what is sentience, right? And uh, you you end up in some interesting philosophical areas. But I mean, if you remember that Microsoft AI, that Sydney, I don't know if you guys use that one. It was kind of like early on in the stage. That thing had a lot of opinions, and I would hate that thing to be in control of a robot because uh, I don't I'm think I, to that thing. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> she has a lot of opinions. 
Yeah. So I, but I think you're right. Right. I think there, I think that it, there is a non-zero chance, but I think of it like gun, like this, I, I'm going to, I'm not trying to get political, but I think about it like guns or nuclear weapons, right? Like we haven't had a world war since we had nukes say what you want about them, but it did kind of make everybody behave for a hundred or so years. Yeah. Merchant mutually absurd destruction. Um, and that might just be AI as well, but they still are a servant and the better they serve, uh, the better we'll be. I always say a hammer can be used to build a house or knock it down. And hammers have been around a long time. Fire, the same thing. It can heat our homes or burn them down. Uh, and fire has been around a long time as well. So there seems to be some sort of human-esque AI that's controlling the other AI that uh, in the end, our wisdom and faith have to be aligned with a better place, a better world to live in. And it takes people... Victorio, like you, um, j- just real quick, because I, I have to ask about the other software as well, you know, the second company that's not on my notes for whatever reason. Uh, but I'm really curious, what what does that do? Because you don't have the AI, Dave. <laughs> I don't. So what we do, so imagine, Dave, I don't know what your enterprise infrastructure looks like, but I'm sure you've got lots of data. And you probably have people that dig through that data for you. What Serif does is it acts as that person for all your enterprise system. You connect it all up to it and you get your business chat GPT, but without training OpenAI's models or Microsoft models that are going to spill your data to the next guy. Yeah. This is just for your enterprise, cordoned so off. Synthesize then- all your own data personally and securely. Exactly. With information control. So you can set up different roles and users and access levels and stuff so that it won't tell somebody something it's not supposed to. That's awesome. I've been trained in quantum healing and in, in, as known as a clairsentient. So I think my capability may be utilized in the future to figure out if uh, AI is sentient or not, uh, because I can actually have that like clairvoyance of feelings and emotions. And I'm really curious if Mike Diamond has emotions, but I know Unbroken does. So we're, we're on our way. Uh, and uh, you are in Illinois. Yeah, I'm going to have an invite to have you join us up and uh, meet some interesting people as well up in Chicago. We want to do more with you, Victoria. This is amazing. Congratulations on your exit as well to Oracle. We're all investing in Joe's company. I don't know if you have uh, heard about that company, the Hummus Stopping Bleeding Company, but it's Sounds amazing. Great. They've already raised $100 million, so he's not short on funds. <laughs> But anyway, we, we love to have you come back on my other shows. Come meet us in person. We certainly appreciate your time and congratulations. I'm super excited to find out more about both the software companies you have. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Take care. Great interview. Thank you. A lot of Bye. fun. All right. We are on a fire today. Like amazing guests. And we're having a really good time exploring what they do. Hopefully we'll be four for four. This is a guy that lives close to Glenn Lundy, so we're not sure what he's going to be like. He is Stephen Seidel. You got it right, buddy. Can you hear me? Yeah, thank you. I can. The double S, founder and owner of the Seidel Agency. And uh, you couldn't ask for a guy more aligned with what we're about because he is unlocking the good within us and uh, delivering the acceleration of change, community, and consumers uh, looking at truth and transparency, the pursuit of our potential is what I look at when we're looking at that transparent truth. Stephen, what set you forth on this amazing journey to seek that truth? Now, thank you for asking me, David, and hopefully I can complete on this 444. 
uh, challenge. I, I like to say, you know, I'm an underdog. I'm from Philadelphia. So I like to oh, nice. get, get scrappy. The journey, uh, I think it, it starts in your childhood. So my dad, you know, he was a traveling man. He worked for Unisys. He had the same job for Sperry Univac Unisys his entire life. So he wasn't really around. And so for me, I was like, man, I really want to connect with my cause and what it is that I want to do. And I want to leave this world a better place for myself, future generations, and then all the vulnerable children within everyone out there. And the best way that I know how to do that is through connecting. And so I connect companies to causes, to their consumers, and I try to build a win-win-win. I love it. Can we talk about your podcast, Wolves Among Us? That's yeah. a podcast, correct? I love that. Where did that, that's such a great uh, title. Where did the title come from? Oh, thanks for asking. So uh, a buddy of mine, I, I, this was, I went to school with a gentleman at Penn State, and his, his dad was an FBI agent, and I heard about this story. So it took me 20 years to get it made. Um, and then we developed that. But ideally, we all have, you know, different sides of ourselves, different sub-personalities, different things that we move forward. And um, this particular story was about people living double lives. Um, and so this he's a great guy. I mean, I hate to say it. He's a drug dealer. He was a dentist. He's an Ivy League dentist. But he was the biggest drug dealer in all of the eastern seaboard. And I really wanted to not like him. But there was a, a wolf among him and it was greed and it was failure to live up to his father's expectation and growing up poor. So he wanted to make as much money as he could so that he didn't have to live in the same scenario or be in the same situation for his children. And so the idea was, you know, there's always wolves among us or even wolves within us. And it's up to ourselves to combat them and hopefully overcome them with what it is that we do. But I really wanted to not like this gentleman but he's a close friend of mine and I talk to him all the time because my best friend's father was the FBI agent who took him down and it was a cat and mouse chase. And uh, to this day, I mean, he, he's, I have, we have a call tomorrow. We're working on potentially uh, developing it into a TV show. And so we have another call tomorrow where some writers are meeting with him. But um, I think at the end of the day, it's, it's always a story of good and evil and, and, and who comes up on top. But sometimes there's that gray area. Yeah. So it, that story is what like, uh, there's a wolf and something else inside of us, and it's which one do you want to feed? That was the story, right? Yeah, I love yeah. that. Yeah, it's like which one do you want to feed? And there's always so many of them. Um, and and so in business and personal professional lives, it's like we need to choose our friends wisely. We need to allocate our time. Really, you know, understand the habits that we do on a daily basis. And how can they make us either better or, you know, sometimes they take us down the wrong path and we need to notice those things. Yeah. Yeah. Which I, I think is really befitting to the question I have for you, because we live in this time where really for a long time now, you could probably rewind this to, to Tom's shoes, where suddenly we had this huge shift of people and, and companies wanting to be purpose driven. And then it became kind of like a signal flare. And then it became something that is a requirement. And then now I think it's something that people do just to do it. And I don't know that there's a lot of intention behind it. How do we get people more in alignment with, with being entrepreneurs and business owners of purpose for the right reasons, not for the sake of just doing it? Yeah, I think it starts with the company itself. It's a great question. And you saw the rise of that with the pandemic because so many individuals were stuck at home and they, they had to reach out to local companies and people wanted to vote with their dollar, with their clicks, with their purchases. But I think it's that cultural alignment and, you know, Simon Sinek's story start with why. 
What is your why? What is your focus? Me as a company and as a business, we make sure that they're genuinely in business for the right reasons. We work with a lot of uh, doctors, uh, lawyers, as well as um, in aesthetic medicine, a lot of plastic surgeons. And so some of those doctors are in it because they want to make a lot of money, but other people are in it because they want to help transform their patients and you know give them self-confidence and allow them to feel that beauty from within. And I think that's really where it all lies is separate yourself 18 inches from your brain into your heart and allow that beauty to come to fruition. And I think the only way to do that is to make sure that your company that you're building has that vision, has the value system, has the core beliefs, and that everybody within your company subscribes to those and has that alignment as well. Um, there's an amazing book called Let My People Go Surfing, from the founder of Patagonia. I mean, their whole mission is making this world a better place. I'm reading that again. And he talks a lot about your minimum viable product. Instead of stacking it on and having this uh, you know, need for more and more and more, and these attachments, how can you get as lean as possible, but yet deliver deliver the most amount of value that you can and leave the world a better place? You know, we don't want to have oil in our waters or we don't want to have corrupt ideas or, or, or bad people roaming the streets that are not delivering to your community, to your company or to your customer. And so that win, win, win is truly what we subscribe for. And I think you can see through it. If somebody's donating, you know, a dollar towards charity and yet they're out doing, I don't want to call out any names, but doing various like conventions and things. And it's all about them and their ego. I think we know, you know, where the true cause or what their motivation is. It's money. It's not purpose. So, right. Um, real quick, last question. And it's formulated from a belief that I believe, especially men are either trying to prove themselves at all time to their father or prove that they're better than their, their, their father determined upon that relationship. This is more an intuitive question, but I have a feeling that it may be interesting. Uh, number one, do you believe in that when there's a wolf inside of us, but Steve, which one resonates with you more? Are you, are you more of a gentleman who is trying to prove themselves to your dad or trying to prove that you're better than your dad? Uh, that's a great question. Thank you for asking that. I, I run a men's group that uh, there's five of my closest friends. We talk about productivity. We talk about being a father. And we recently asked the question, what is masculinity and how has being a man changed in today's day and age? And I think there's a more of an emotional alignment with who we are and that not only is there is it more OK with society, but I think that we are have more courage and we have more flexibility. So I don't think that I'm trying I actually want to sort of hug my dad and I want him to be part of my team. I want to be one with him, to be honest. Um, when he told me he, I graduated from Penn state, he told me he was really proud of me and that obviously everybody wants to hear their father tell them that they're proud of them. Yeah. But I do it every single day. I'm winning mean, with my children, my four-year-old and my nine-year-old. I'm going to tell them every single day. And it's not that I'm trying to outlast my father. I think I'm just trying to really lift them up higher and, and he's a constant reminder. He didn't know any better because that was the way that he grew up. So thank, I, I appreciate you asking me that question. That's awesome because I actually tell my kids, I have four of them, the three things I wanted my dad to tell me, which is I love you, I'm proud of you, and I always have your back. And uh, I think that's a really okay. important thing. I love really that. Thank cool. you. Well, uh, we will see you soon as well, Steve. Uh, Consider them invitations, not obligations when they come from 
our team to you, but we need to see more of you. Everyone check out the podcast, check out Steve and also the Seidel Agency. Uh, it's at thesidelagency.com. Here to empower others with company, community, and the customers. Trust and truth and transparency will get you there. Steven Seidel, thanks for joining us on Office Hours. Thank you guys for having us. Do good, get back, make an impact, make the world a better place. I appreciate you all. Peace. You're a great cleanup hitter, but I got a super surprise. Oh, confetti for everyone. Hey, I got I got a friend coming on. I wanted to surprise you guys. Uh, Shane is here. Let's bring him on. This is my good friend, Shane Smith, and he is putting on his very first mastermind. He's come to a lot of my masterminds. He's come and done a lot of inner work, and now he's at that 1,000 mark. My mission in life, as you both know, because you're both one of my 1,000s, to create 1,000 people, to empower 1,000, to empower 1,000. And I'm so proud of him because he's putting on a super cool mastermind. So Shane Smith, can you come up with a more common name? Welcome <laughs> to Office Hours. Thank you so much, Dave. I really appreciate you having me on. I, it means a lot to me. So thank you for, for doing this for me. Of course. What inspired you to put on your own mastermind? Because it's a it's a heavy lift. I do them all the time and I show up to them all the time. And it's a great, a great experience, but it's a heavy lift. What inspired you to put on your own mastermind? I think, I mean, well... You, I mean, you and, and Don have have been uh, been kind of coaching me. What has two thumbs is inspirational. This guy, yeah. This guy. I mean, seriously, I mean, I, I've had all this stuff kind of welling up inside of me for a long time, and I uh, never knew really how to fully express it and get it out. And uh, between the two of you guys, and going to you know halfway across the globe with you, um, it just. It felt like it just gave me permission to set up an event and be able to um, to be able to give back and share my story and, and help other people kind of grow the way I've grown over these last few years. So that's that's kind of where it came from. And now, before I let the mics ask you a question real quick, give the details of the mastermind, when it sure. is, where it is, what you're doing. So we're, we're doing it up in uh, it's in Lake Tahoe. Um, it's at the, the house is called uh, Sierra Sunset. And uh, gentleman's the owner of the house. His name is Pat. He's got a, he's got a great story as well. A high school dropout, now a multi billionaire, and um, anyway, just a really really get him on our show. Let's make it happen. I will. I, I will. I will let him know. He's he's a, he's a good guy. Um, and so uh, it's called the Tahoe Transformational Experience. So my theme for this is uh, you know we want to burn the boat. I, I, literally people are going to be showing up there one way and uh, we're going to light those boats on fire on the shore and they're going to leave a different way. Um, and so it's, you know, it's this all encompassing concept, body, mind, and spirit. So I've got a, a spiritual coach, I've got an Olympic athlete and I've got a UFC fighter showing up and uh, together we're just going to kind of show people, you know, you, you may have some success in your life in a certain aspect, but maybe you felt like you've sacrificed a relationship with your spouse or your children, or you've, You've had to give up some part of you uh, in order to achieve a goal over here. And I want to show people that um, they can take that same that same drive that got them successful in one aspect of their life and they can apply it to others and have the whole package. There's no reason there's no reason you can't. And um, so that's kind of that's kind of where it came from. Cool. I want to show people. Thank you. You got a question for him? You said this great word that I think people struggle with. You said permission. 
And I think the greatest thing is we get inspired by the action of others. Can you talk about that? Because it, it's such a great word, permission. When you see someone, because you're giving someone else permission to do something great by taking the action. So can you talk about that? Sure. Yeah. I mean, and that that's kind of, that's that's a word that really sat heavy with me. And, and I, I think being around, you know, around guys like Dave, who, who are just like, man, just, just do the thing. You know, he, he gave me a really great compliment. He told me I had a big old basement and, uh, um, that was on the Island in, um, Tortola. And, um, I had been kind of suppressing and repressing myself. I actually felt, um, almost guilty because I, I, I wanted to share information and, and some of my past and the things that I've had to overcome to get to where I'm at. And, and, um, I would suppress that. And, uh, I just think recently I've, I've come to this point where I feel like, you know what, it is, it is okay. It is actually now I feel it's, I've given myself permission and now I feel an obligation and a duty to, to share this with others. And, you know, I wrote an email to our email list the other day about this Tahoe experience. And we've had people, patients that aren't even my patients call and say, thank you so so much for writing that. Um, and anyway, it was, it was really, it's been a really good couple of, couple of days since we've been launching this. That's awesome. And Mike, what finish us up here, brother. Yeah. Shane, amazing. First, congratulations. Um, I think anytime we're willing to step out of our comfort zone, it's where growth truly happens. And so obviously you're looking at doing something that is uh, life-changing, not only for you, but for other people. How important is it for you as you, you sit in front of this objective to to really for your own self burn the boat well that's that's a player too right like it's it's a mirror mirror moment um and so yeah i i, I am ready I, I literally wrote in that email i i, I just did this emotional dump um and i've been uh, that i had been pinting up for so long and it came out in about 45 seconds and um it, it was cathartic and it it was this idea that uh, this is something I really want to do for the rest of my life. And to be able to say that was super liberating. And so I see this as a really great transition point for me, for my family and where we want to go and the things that we want to do. Um, and the neat thing is, is, you know, being an, an upper cervical chiropractor, we're kind of a specialist in our, in our field. Dave, you and I talked about this in Scotland. My, my whole goal here at the office is to, remove interference from the central nervous system of a human being to allow the brain and body to communicate effectively. I'm not trying to give them anything. I'm not trying to take anything away. I'm just, I'm just simply trying to allow that communication to be delivered uninterrupted. And Dave kind of enlightened me and kind of just shared his philosophy. And, you know, I, I think I can take that same concept and help apply it across to all aspects of this crazy thing called life. Um, and just, you know, all the goals and dreams and hopes and the things that we want, the sense of joy and peace and happiness, they already exist. It's just, what are we doing to interfere with it? You know, yeah. on, on our level and how do we remove that? And then, and then it just kind of falls into place. And it's, I think it's a lot easier than we think. I think we just, you know, we get in our own ways here and here, you know? Um, so that's always that's easier than we think. Well, just yeah. to finish up, Shane, let everyone know where they can sign up for your mastermind. You betcha. So it's TahoeTransformationExperience.com. Um, they can email me at Shane at the specific.com. Um, 
And uh, in there, there's no, you know, we're not credit card required. They just really what I want people to do is sign up, give me their name and email and, and phone number. We'll have a conversation and make sure it's the right fit. I've been thinking and, and praying about people when I want, I want the right people uh, to come. And uh, uh, so they can go there, register, sign up. We'll have a phone call, make sure it's a fit. If it is, we'll get them registered. If it's not, then, then we'll move on. Shane Smith, like I tell my children, I love you. I'm proud of you. And I always have your back as I do my two other friends, Michael and Mike. God bless you. And I know it's going to be a great success. I encourage anyone that's interested to reach out to Shane. He's an incredible person and surrounds himself with incredible people. Uh, it's a blessing to have you here as our final extra bonus round of office hours. Thank you, my friend. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Dave. Good to meet you guys. Take care, guys. Congrats. Bye. Oh, I'm proud. I, nothing better than seeing that with all the work that we do every once in a while. Even a blind squirrel finds an acorn, and I'm blessed to find that acorn. Shane Smith, go ahead and join him in his mastermind. All right, boys, it's my favorite time. It's the takeaway of the day. Stop today. But what, what, what um, resonated with me was everyone had incredible intention and purpose. But they played the long game, mm. which I love. So it's like have that intention and purpose, but it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. And I love that everyone's story, you know, just was deep and, and, it, and it took time and it's supposed to take time. Anyone can do shallow work, but it's about doing the deep work. That's the difference. Yep. Um, I... So, you know, I'm, I'm in the process of launching this men's group coaching program. We're going to do this month-long mastermind for um, men's health, mental health awareness in March. And my takeaway is going to be a little different today, Dave, and it's more of like a gratitude to you. One, because I just saw what you did for Shane, but then I think about what you've done for me and for Mike and for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of other, not thousands of people at this point. And it's like that thing that Shane said about like removing the interference about the burning the bridges about that thing. When I think about being a leader and I go to lead these men and I go to lead my community and my family and the thousands of people that I coach every year, I just got fucking mad gratitude for you, man. I just love you and I'm proud of you. And I got your back, dude. <laughs> yeah, that, that is a blessing. And I'm going to finish with my takeaway relative to a story that really changed my life this weekend. I have a coaching client and like many of us, you know, we, we don't ask for help. And I know Mike Diamond, Michael Unbroken, our guests, like it, it takes a lot to get to where we are. Um, and it would be a lot faster if we asked for help. Well, I had a, a client who his daughter got very uh, she, she, she's not well anyway, but she got sent to the hospital had a mini stroke and she's only 15 years old. And he, uh, I had introduced him to a family that I know that the billionaire family, in fact, it's where we're having our mansion mastermind in New Jersey on Wednesday. And I'd introduced them there and he's going to be catering it. He, he does groceries for grandparents and he's catering the event. I wanted to support him. So he barely knows the billionaire family at the time. So he, I've been telling him, like, everybody wins when you ask for help. You're confirming the infinite loop that we live in. <clears throat> and 
he's just one of these people. Like even when I asked him to cater the mansion mastermind, which people pay to go to, he just assumed that I wanted him to do it for free. And he was blown away when I'm like, no, no, I'm going to pay you. No, no, you don't have to pay me. You do so much for me. I'm like, no, you pay me to coach you. I'm paying for your food to cater my event. And anyway, he sits there. His daughter is you know, not doing well in the hospital over the holiday weekend. And he actually is questioning whether he should call my friends, the, the billionaire people who have a software that identifies how drugs are working with each other or creating problems. So she's on 15 medications and they don't know which one is causing the problem or if it, so he tells me that he hear, he heard my voice tell him, pick up the goddamn phone and call. And his voice inside was saying, no, it's holiday. I'm going to bother them. I don't know them. Anyway, he calls. Within 10 minutes, they're like, put me on the phone with the doctor. Let me give them the login. And within another 10 minutes, they figure out the problem. And by the end of the day, she's going home. She's going home. And so he tells me that he's so grateful because his daughter wouldn't be well and how much it meant to him if he didn't ask. I said, whoa, whoa. Forget about you two. That's obvious when you ask for help, that you're going to be helped. But think how much you help the family. Think how much you help these people. They have, you just have validated everything they're working on. You've created more relationships, a testimonial. You've created exactly what they spent millions of dollars creating for. They feel better than you and your daughter. And guess what you did for me? The same thing. My highlight of my, and I had amazing things all week and weekend. My highlight was knowing that somehow I created all of that by teaching someone that you're worthy of help and that we are part of an infinite loop. And that infinite loop was illustrated by all four of these extraordinary people in all their different ways. And also by you two always showing up and loving me, supporting me, being proud of me and having my back like I have yours. And I uh, just want to thank you. I know we went over today. I appreciate your time. I love you both. And I appreciate you. And I'm proud of you. And I got your back as well. Thank you for joining me on Office Hours. Love you, Dave. Bye, Mikey. <laughs> the incredible Mike Diamond. And Reluca's trying to kick me off the show. I guess it's Mike Diamond's show now. But more importantly, I thank Reluca and Gigi for producing this amazing show. We're getting bigger and better every single time. I'm going to be, please email me. I'm going to be in LA tomorrow at the Westin by the airport. Tag talks. I'm keynoting that. We're doing a meetup at 1 p.m. at the Westin at LAX. Tell your friends, come join us. Then next week, Chicago on Monday, New York on Tuesday, New Jersey on Wednesday, Philly on Thursday, Chicago again on Friday, and then Wisconsin, Madison over the weekend. Uh, come and join us then Las Vegas uh, as well. And I think we're even in a few places before Las Vegas now uh, and then after even more. So if you can't keep up with me, neither can I. So text me 949-298-2905 and get alerts on what cities we're going to be in and where we're going to be. We are booked in over 200 cities this year. Please text us 949-298-2905. Email me as well if you need anything, david at dmeltzer.com. I answer everything myself. Free Friday training as well after the meetup tomorrow at the Westin in LA. Free Friday training. But most importantly, everyone, remember, be more interested than interesting. 
Be kind to your future self and do good deeds. We love you. We're proud of you. And we always have your back. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks, everybody.